Well, hello and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio, and I am your host, Coach Debbie. And I am delighted that you have reserved this hour so we can talk about the stories you live by, the books, the blogs, the brands you are writing, the way you are creating your own way into the world. Because if you ask me, it's all about story. I help people write that first draft of their book. That's what my business is all about. And the title is very similar to this radio show. It's called Story You Coaching, capital U. And you can find me at www.coachdebbie.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y, coachdebbie.com. And really, what I, what I do here on the show and what I do in my business is I help people get that book that's been on their mind, out of their mind, and kind of help them make it travel through their heart and get out on the page. Because if you're going to share it with others, well can't just be in your mind, right? It's got to be out on the page. So I work with that early stage of your book writing. It's drafting out that story. And for many people, they're, they're not quite ready to write their book, but they want to get their blog in that place where they can leverage it in their business or they're redefining their brand. So I work with people on that as well. And I bet you can imagine that a lot of people come to me with just any question at all about writing. And I like to bring those questions here to the radio show. But in addition to that, I'm a certified master life coach. That's a fancy title for just meaning that, that I went and I studied with the mystics that all had lots of experience in anthropology and philosophy and psychology and addiction and basically the stories we live by. And I, I got certified in understanding how to not only read people and, and give insight and, and perspective, but to work with them in my more niche area. And that is writing. For 20 years, I taught at a college. I taught literature, mythology, and essay and creative writing. But now, I really, really focus on bringing content here to the radio show. Sometimes I even bring you new authors to talk about their own experience becoming a a writer, but also an author of their first, second, or third book. Yeah, usually, usually they're pretty new authors. And then I also like to use this show as kind of a platform for teaching. And today we're going to do just that. We're going to talk about my master class for reading. And it's not just reading words. It's also reading film, reading the conversations you're in, reading situations you bump up against, 
reading the dynamics of a high drama area. We are always reading, but what we could be doing is more conscious reading. So while part of today's talk will be about reading things in print, it will also be more about that metacognitive reading and how we think about things that are set in front of our eyes and just make us take inventory of our lives, make us think about how we want to show up, make us think about the situations and the concepts we're interacting with. So as always, I'll be taking your calls, your texts, your emails. I see I already have two questions that have come in before the show. And that happens because people sign up to be on the newsletter or they're a friend on Facebook or a friend on uh, Twitter or Instagram. And what I like to do is take down those questions and your input and either use it for my topic for today's show or use it for an upcoming show. But like I said, today we are really getting into the notion of what it means to be a great reader, how it influences your writing, or if you're not a writer, how it influences these stories you live by. I really think all reading is enriching to your life. However you do it, whether you read films or whether you actually are reading books. But I don't ever want to underestimate that person that just reads life as it unfolds in front of them. You know, more of that introspective quality where people are, they're the quiet one in the room. They're, they're the one just taking it all in. I, I have a real deep admiration for the quiet listener because I almost feel that reading and listening are, mm, they have the same energy. They, they might not be of the same definition, but they definitely have a very similar energy. And, and I just feel that that person who reads situation is often quite active and quite informed. So we're going to focus on some of those techniques today. I welcome your questions. You can write to me on Facebook, either at Coach Debbie, and that's D-E-B-B-Y, or my Facebook page, personal page, is Debbie Handrich. And Handrich is just like it sounds. It's H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. And you can post in the back end of Facebook in the personal messenger. Or you can send me an email. Write to askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. Askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And once again, Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. All righty. So let me just kick this off with what I think is a great quote from Malcolm X. He said, 
I could spend the rest of my life reading just satisfying my curiosity. I could spend the rest of my life reading just satisfying my curiosity. Now, one of the reasons I, I love this quote from Malcolm X is because I, I think of him as what I would call a life scholar. He was somebody that spent life learning. That was his, one of his favorite claimed ways to be in life was to learn. And I, too, am a huge fan of being in the circle of student and teacher, where I get to be a student because I'm in the classroom of teachers that I have great respect for, but I also get to be in classrooms where I am the teacher and I am sharing what I have learned. I love being in the circle, the continuum of I am student in this moment, I am teacher in that moment, student again, teacher again. To me, that is so fulfilling. And for you, you might go back to some of your earliest memories and ask yourself, how, how were you investing in any way in your reading and your learning and your comprehension and your love for life and your love for story? How were you doing that in your earliest years? I have told people many times that when I was real young, I spent a lot of what we called recess uh, do they still have recess in <laughs> in school? Do we have still have school? Gosh, after this last several months, that's up for question. We had recess just here in the States, meaning, you know, a break from study. And it was expected, especially if you lived in a nice warm climate as I did in California, it was expected that you went outside. For recess and they would give you 15 minutes sometimes 30 and sometimes they'd even combine it with lunch but what I found was that I gobbled down my lunch and then to avoid the bullies I wouldn't go outside so much I would go to the library because the library was of course you know full of books but it was also full of games that enriched the mind. I remember games where, where you could have these, uh, mm, gosh, how am I going to describe it? These really interesting wood blocks. And you would start at the very top of all these different shaped wood blocks and send marbles down them. And the goal was that you would, you would begin... Um, balancing the wood blocks just so and the marbles would make it all the way down to the bottom that was the goal get them down to the bottom there were other really cool word games almost like crossword puzzles uh, that would enrich your vocabulary but of course there were books upon books upon books and magazines and I really loved the National Geographic magazines. We also got that at home. 
and I loved the encyclopedias. And I remember one day I was in the library and, oh my goodness, these these boys that, honestly, these boys that scare the life out of me, um, came running in the library and they dove under this desk near me. Big, big desk, you know, that about six, eight kids could probably sit around at one time. And I'm at the next desk over. And I sort of looked under and they're they're putting their finger up against the mouth, you know, to go shh, like, you know, don't tell. And I'm just sitting there in the library with my books and these other bullies come in and they're looking around and they're looking around and I'm like, oh, so these these bullies have bullies. I never even knew this. Well, finally, the bigger bullies left and the smaller bullies under the table crawled out and they saw me and they started acting like they're going to put on their bully persona again. And I looked up, I looked up, I I remember making eye contact with this one kid, Ricky, who kind of pushed me around. And he said, thanks, you know, like I didn't tell that they were under the desk. And I don't know where this came from, but I said, right, it just flew out of my mouth. I said, you owe me. (laughs) And he just sort of looked at me you know, and walked away. But you know what was really interesting? Ricky wasn't doing so good in school. And one day he came in during recess and he asked me if I would help him. And maybe this was the start of my career in teaching. God only knows. I was all of nine years old. But he he sat down with a book and he said, you like books, you know, will you help me with this? And somehow Ricky and I just started to every now and then, now it couldn't be public because he was a bully and I was a kid who got bullied. So it was sort of a secret, but I would help him. I would help him with his reading. And, and I don't really remember exactly what I was doing to help him. But this is what I can tell you. When you invest in reading and you feel like reading matters and you want to be a good writer or you want to be sharing your message in the world, all of a sudden you have ways of expressing things that are beyond what is just plain and simple and basic. And my guess is that's where Ricky and I started. I wish I could remember more, but what I do remember is that he was grateful, that he thought I taught him something about reading. And honestly, I was a kid just like him, and all I was doing was reading. I read all the time. I read because it was an escape, and you might relate to that. Maybe reading for you is just somewhere that you go to escape. But I promise you this, as we go deeper into this show today, there are many ways you are available to the world. You are available with your expression. You're available to listen because you value reading. It's quite a gift 
to really receive what reading can do for you and then offer it back into the world. If you don't believe me now, I hope you will as we carry on. We're going to take our first break here and then we will go to our first question about reading. So please stay tuned. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Our veterans risked it all to protect our freedom. One of the best ways to say thank you is to volunteer to support them. At a time in history where kindness is a virtue, volunteering means a lot. For over 47 years, Help Heal Veterans, a not-for-profit organization, with the support of citizens like you, have delivered therapy kits to veterans who need them. To volunteer or learn more, visit HealVets.org. That's HealVets.org. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Today I am going to offer you a little master class in reading because my show is really geared to those who are writing their their books, their blogs, their brands, their first drafts, and also to that person that really believes that a high-quality life comes from paying attention to these stories we live by. I really believe with everything I got in me that so much of our good living comes from great reading. And I want to share with you today some tips from famous people that you probably are really familiar with, as well as some great habits. Let's take a look at what John C. Maxwell says when he said, the secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Uh, John C. Maxwell, also uh, very, very noted for his speech writing. He says, the secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Daily, daily being the key word there. Now, if you're a reader, you picked up on that. If you're not a reader, it might not have had value to you that he's really talking about what you're doing each day. Not what you think you might do tomorrow or the next day, but what you're actually doing each day. And I want to encourage you, if you are not reading 
quality writing every day, or if you are not reading a quality film, or if you are not investing in quality conversations that compel you to know more, compel you, as Malcolm X said in that earlier earlier quote that he could spend his whole life reading, um, it's time. It's time to bring reading into your daily life. Now, what do I mean when I say reading film? Well, think about some of those documentaries that you have loved or those high-quality films that have had a real deep life message to them and how you sat back for those two hours and you watched, you listened, you saw the characters in their scenes, you saw things played out before your eyes and you read along. That's basically what you're doing. You are reading along. The story is unfolding in front of you, but you're asking yourself pretty important questions as this film is taking place in front of you. You you probably don't even notice that you're asking yourself questions, but if you've ever been to a really long film where they offer an intermission, or if you've been to a play where there's an intermission, or maybe you've been to a musical, there, there's a, that break, and then you turn to the person next to you, and it's all in what you say in that conversation. The person next to you says, wow, I didn't expect her to say that. See, that's because you're reading the play. Or you say, gosh, I hope this ends well because you're reading into what is being shown to you. Or someone says, you know, that was a real cold hit she did, because you're paying attention to how this story unfolds. And it's it's almost informing you based on all the books and the films and the things you've seen before this particular one. And it's the building of this reading that grows your wisdom and helps you experience life even deeper. These things add up. They add upon your experience. They help you come up with great questions. So that said, I also want to um, remind you of something from my childhood And that was this, (laughs) I'm going to date myself here. It was this school called the the Evelyn Wood Speed Reading School. I actually don't even know if it was a school per se, or was it more of a kind of an at-home learning. I never did it. But it was called Speed Reading, Evelyn Wood Speed Reading. And you would see the commercials for it. And people were just sort of flinging their fingers side to side across the page and somehow taking in the information on a page in, oh, a tenth or a fifth of the time it would take if you were just curling up in your chair and reading word for word as you were trained to do. Now, I wanted to go to this school. 
I I thought to myself, wow, I'm one of those girls that has real low vision and I read really slow and I need to go to this school. And I remember telling my mom about it and she said, you don't need it. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm slow. And she said, but you're a good reader. I didn't know what that meant at the time. But my thinking was, I don't care, you know. I don't see myself as a good reader. I see myself as a slow reader, and I think of slow reading as bad reading. But what I came to understand over time, and probably it's because of my career choice, was that the deep reading, the deep learning that students aspire to when they want to become a scholar has nothing to do with being a speed reader. In fact, it's it's really about slowing down your reading and really taking in what you're reading and even stopping and asking questions and sometimes writing those questions in the margins of what you're reading. That's what creates high-quality reading, and high-quality reading leads to high-quality learning. And you know that high-quality learning helps a person be expressive and very intentional. And it even, I would say, expands the mind into being, as Malcolm X said, more curious about other topics and other things you could learn. So I just want to jump on to what um, Tanisha wrote in and said, I don't have a strong vocabulary, but I do have a love for writing. And I've always wondered what I should do about that. I feel like my writing is really simple, and I don't know if that's enough. Tanisha, what I want to say about that, and thank you for friending me on Facebook, I want to say that I don't feel you have to have a a wide vocabulary to pursue your interest in writing. You said, I don't have a strong vocabulary. Um, You probably do have a strong vocabulary. So what I want to say about that is you probably do have a vocabulary that supports your message, but you might not have a wide vocabulary. You you might not have 40,000 words that you know the meaning of. You might have uh, 15,000 words, but there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you use it, strongly to convey your message. And what I mean by strongly is that you pick from the words you know to best suit what you want to say. I think that's far more important than having a wide vocabulary. I have fun, Tanisha, with with developing vocabulary because I enjoy words. But I'm going to tell you this, I have never been a fan for the writer that 
oh, kind of brags their way through a piece of writing by using words that most of us don't know. You know, I'm included in that. Most of us don't know a, a certain, those words that are applicable just to certain studies. You know, I'm not strong in biology, so I don't know words in in the biology and, and in the study of biology well. So when I'm asking a biologist a basic question, I want my my question answered basically. I I don't want to have to feel intimidated that I don't know the words they use. I honestly don't think it's good writing to use words that most of us don't know. I I feel that high quality writing comes from a strong vocabulary, meaning you know how to express what you want to say clearly, not necessarily having this wide, huge range of words. I don't find that is necessary. And I want to thank you, Tanisha, uh, for your questions. I don't usually get a question for someone that I've only known for a couple hours. So thank you. I appreciate that. Let's talk just a little bit here. Let's check the time. Is it break time? No. Okay. Let's talk just a little bit here about um, this notion that I really believe that great writers are readers and therefore there's, there's these certain things that are most important if you value great writing. One thing for sure, and it, it's just part of my brand, one thing for sure is that if you're reading a lot and you value a good story, you're going to share stories. You're not going to be that person that is above your vulnerability. Honestly, I, I think this goes back to... Not just having a love for writing, but understanding that all that you have read has imparted your ability to feel even more and to express yourself even more. And one of the best ways you can do this is by sharing your stories and sharing your experience. That's not to say that research doesn't have its place. Of course it does. But people that are reading what you write want to know you. They want to know you. It's great that you share with them what you research. But honestly, just in my opinion, it's best to share your stories and your experiences. People like to know that you're a human being. And just back to what Tanisha was saying there, sometimes people don't feel like you're a human being if you use words that they're likely not to know. It's just kind of an ego trip to do that, to to use these words that a person can't reach at and feel comfortable with. That That's poor listening. And poor listening is poor reading. I really feel like they go together. 
that person that is sharing their story, sharing their experience, is also interested in receiving or reading. And that's just a great way of listening. In addition to great writers sharing story and experience, I also feel, as I've, I've shared here, that you want to keep your writing as uncomplicated as possible. And it doesn't mean that you have to be one of those writers who is, is extremely pithy, who just has this ability to share something so meaningful in half a page. It doesn't mean that. But uncomplicated is, again, your way of saying, let's relate. Let's talk from a place of kindness and compassion and friendship and not from a place of, I want to one-up you and I want to prove to you I'm smart and I want to show you that my $70,000 invested in my degrees matter and all of that baloney. <laughs> I, I really do feel that great writers... They keep it uncomplicated, again, because they come back to this masterful rule that reading matters. And if we can't read each other when we're in conversation, then one of us, usually us, (laughs) is left out. And we don't want that. We don't want that at all. How is it that we can be uncomplicated when we show up? How is it that we can reveal stories of depth and our experiences full of feeling without making it all complicated and difficult to follow? Finally, one thing I want to sneak in here before our break is that while great writers and readers go together, one of the reasons I feel that that great writers need to read, and I want to suggest a couple hours a day, yeah, is that there's there's this need as a writer to actually practice, to be in the practice of writing things that say, um, have a great headline. You want to practice writing a great title. A writer wants to practice what does it look like to be efficient at writing an introduction. What does it mean to write great dialogue? How do I write a good debate? How do I write ideas that I would synthesize? If you're not reading, you can't do this. And you know it. You feel it. How do you feel it? You come to your computer and you cramp up and you stare at the white page and and you just want to go home or cry in your mother's lap. <laughs> That's how you feel it. If you're not reading, you're not engaged, again, in those stories that you've been experiencing through film, through conversation, through the books that you love, you're not really digesting 
and therefore you're not able to express again. You're not able to merge your own thinking with what you've read on the page and evaluate it. If you want to make writing flow for you, really flow for you, you're going to bring it into your daily life and you're going to give yourself time every day to read high quality stuff. You know it's true. You've heard it from other teachers, but you're going to get to hear it from me here too. <laughs> I value, I value high quality reading. It, it's right up there to me along with family values and friendship and quality sleep. Good quality reading. Not the fast kind, not the Evelyn Wood kind. Sorry, Evelyn. But the slow, conscientious reading. We've got one more break here, and I see another question. So we will be right back to talk a little bit more about reading. Five things you need to know about measles in 30 seconds. The vaccine was developed in 1963, and measles became rare in the U.S., but low vaccination rates are now causing outbreaks that may put you at risk. Measles is highly contagious and spreads easily when an infected person breathes or coughs. Measles can have serious complications and can be deadly. It's also easy to prevent with a vaccine that's safe and effective. Please make sure you and your loved ones are vaccinated. Learn more at nfid.org measles. Hey, Seattle, let me ask you something. Are you an entrepreneur thinking about starting your own company? Or maybe you're a career-minded professional looking to scale the corporate ladder, but the path seems a bit foggy? No worries. I got you. My name is Dominic Lawson, and I am the host of The Startup Life. Every Wednesday at 9 a.m., we will go on a journey of self-discovery as I interview the best business minds from around the world. So if you want to clearly see the path forward, tune into The Startup Life, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Learn more at thestartuplifepodcast.com. During these challenging times, there's a place that provides vet care for people who cannot afford it. It's called Doni Co. Pet Clinic, and it's been providing veterinary and wellness care for thousands of pets in the Seattle area since 1986. This includes access to spay and neutering, which is a requirement for all pets. If you'd like to find out more about Doni Co. or to make a donation, visit DoniCo.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E.org. Going our own way. Way every day. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. Today we are talking to writers and anyone else in the world that really has not taken the time lately to do what. I think is one of the most important things in the world, and that is to read high-quality writing, the good stuff. I, I want to share with you this quote that I went looking far and wide for. It's something that I heard when I was pretty young, and the only part that stuck with me was you need to have a book and you need to have a book to write in. That's, that's what I took and tried to Google and find this quote, but I found it. <laughs> I had really muddled it over the years. But the quote is by Robert Louis Stevenson, and it goes like this. 
I kept always two books in my pocket, one to read and one to write in. Now that had an impression on me when I was in my early days of college and I was doing a lot of short story writing, was claiming my major, and I loved this whole notion of, on the one hand, have your nose in a great book, and on the other hand, have a little journal or a little book you can be writing in. Because it, it's these books that bring us back to our greatest ideas. They're, they bring us back to our own stories and our own experiences. And for any writer, that's what helps you express, really, that by far more than the research you might be doing. It's, it's knowing your own story and your own experience around something that helps you decide where you belong with certain content and certain topics and certain things that you want to share with the world. Another quote I really love, and this is from Jim Rohn, and I think this speaks a lot to our times. Uh, If you don't know, Jim Rohn was a, a great advisor of finance, and he was also the life coach for Tony Robbins, well, one of the the strongest coaches uh, we have in our time right now. And Jim Rohn said, reading is essential for those who seek to rise above the ordinary. And again, isn't this true for you? Don't you feel that when you are rising up, when you are deep in your true story, and you're expanding yourself, it has something to do with what you heard, a story you experienced, a film that you took in, that you read, a conversation that came from real experience, or that deep, great book, that deep, wonderful book that made you be your very best. I I have so many memories of being happiest while I was reading, especially as a young person. I I was just really one of the I, I stood out, you know, I for those of you I always forget you can't see me. <laughs> I feel like I can see you right now. But I'm albino. I I have this very blonde hair and blue eyes. And growing up in San Diego, I had the lightest skin of anyone. And I, not not by other races, but by my own white race, I was made fun of. And then it grew. It grew into very tough, brutal bullying. And my escape from that was reading, finding the corners in the library to read, finding those hideaway little places in the neighborhood to go and read. There was one one friend of mine that had, I wonder what the real official name is for these. It was, it was sort of like a, a playhouse, I guess playhouse, I'm going to go with that. 
it was like a playhouse her father had built for her. So it was like a mini tiny house. And we ducked it inside and we'd sit in there and have little tea parties. And then sometimes because they had a pool and I couldn't swim, my friend would go swimming and I would pull out a book and read. And this to me was so comforting that not only could I read, but for my age, I could read very well. And, and so the world just sort of expanded in a certain way for me because I could take it in through words. And like I said at the time, as a young person, I was a little embarrassed that I read slowly. But again, that goes back to my eyes. I, I don't have normal vision. In fact, I have very subpar vision. But I could read. And I have valued my ability to read as long as I can remember. I have valued that so many good experiences came from reading. I want to take this next question here from... Uh, I hope I don't say your name wrong. I I think it is Rianita. I hope that's correct. Um, Rianita is writing in and says, "Could you talk to me about metacognition? Oh my, metacognition and the notion of reducing my stress through reading." Hmm. Wow. Okay. Metacognition. Yes. Boy, this is a big question. So metacognition, basically this idea of you think about your thinking. Uh, That's the easiest definition I can come up with. Metacognition. How do you think more about what you're thinking about right now I you you take your reading in I'm just gonna do it this way this is a great question (laughs) I'm sorry I'm so ill-prepared for it you you take your reading in whenever you sit down to read you take it into a place of familiarity so if I'm reading a story Let me just give you an example. Uh, A writer that had a lot of influence on me was Gary Soto because his stories were about childhood and just about the simple reveling in riding a bike (laughs) or, or, or anything simple that a child did. So your metacognition is when you sit back and you ask questions about the thing you read because you want to deepen what you already know about. I hope I'm answering your question here. The the reason for metacognition, the reason that we emphasize developing your metacognition is simply this. Teachers 
we want you to grow. We, as teachers, I want you to be someone well-informed. I don't want you to just take a reading assignment and gobble it up and say, well, uh, Coach Debbie told me to read this, so I guess it's important. I want you to actually have question around it. So if I, let's say I gave you an article by Gary Soto. I, I gave you one of his essays on, uh, I think he actually has one just called The Bicycle. If it's the one I'm thinking of, it was just such a poignant story of a, a young boy um, really, really trying his luck and then shamefully uh, getting hurt while he was not following his mother's orders. And and as a reader, we ask questions like, well, is it more important to follow a family value or to do what you want? Is it more important to have freedom and ride your bicycle late into the evening or to pace out your time and and not be on a bike when it's dark outside. So you start to think more about what you've already thought about. Is it safe to be out at night? Is it safe to be out at night and on a bike? Is it safe to be out at night and on a bike if you're a person of color in a white neighborhood? Is it safe to be out at night and be a person of color in a white neighborhood even if you have three friends nearby. And so that's kind of metacognition. It, it takes you deeper and deeper into thinking about the story and thinking about how it makes an impression on you so you can go out and speak about these topics. Boy, oh boy, I don't know if I served you with that one, but I sure hope so. I I really, more than anything, I just want to encourage you, read quality stuff. Because I like the word stuff. <laughs> because here's, here's just a list of a few things that happen when you read. For one, you're just giving yourself a time to settle in and reduce stress. You're giving yourself a time to sort of build on your memory skills. I mean, think about it. Any good story reminds you of your last good story, reminds you topically about things that you read about last. So the bicycle, me talking about the bicycle. When were you last on a bicycle? Brings up those memories. Reading's going to build your knowledge base, right? It's going to expand what you already know. I jotted down a few more things here. I want to say that reading is going to prove, improve your ability to really focus. Because isn't that what you're doing when you're reading? You're sort of blocking out everything else going on in the world and taking time to just take in this one story or article. And that has got to lead to better, stronger, quicker, thoughtful, analytical skills, even critical thinking skills. 
It might even expand your vocabulary. Uh, as our first writer, our first writer was Tanisha. She was concerned that her vocabulary isn't strong. Uh, I think she's really talking about widening that vocabulary. And if that's important to you, reading can help you do that. It can even help you appreciate things and how they work. Maybe you don't have a strong inclination to know much about biology. That's that's kind of the camp I'm in. I, I don't feel a strong push to know a lot about biology. On the other hand... I'm very interested in nutrition, and to some degree, that definitely ties into biology. So reading informs me in that way. Well, I could I could just talk on and on and on about reading, because more than anything, I want you to read. I want you to give your time to reading. I want you to give time to this metacognition that came up. What a great question that was. And I want you to know that as you read, you are developing your life in ways that you're not if you just don't read. So for a bit, put down your phone and put down Facebook and get involved in high quality reading. Take the challenge. See if you can build it up to two hours a day. You're going to love it, and I can't wait for you to thank me for it. So stay tuned for my next episode, which will be here on Thursday. It's always live. It's always at 4 o'clock Pacific time, and it's always with me and sometimes with a guest. Thank you for joining me today, and I wish you a lovely day. Namaste. Namaste.